Hey, welcome, welcome, it's warm, it's warm and I'm tired, absolutely, as they say, cream crackered, when they try not to say the word knackered, which apparently is a swear word, isn't it, I believe, I never know why, I mean, I, there's sort of, a, when, when I was a kid, there was a kind of connotation to the word knackered, that it was in reference to a specific type of tiredness, which I'll leave to your imagination. That was the um, the thing I was told as a kid, and I don't think that's actually true. Now I feel like I need to go on the on Google, you know, like you do, and then you look up what a word really means, which I'm not going to do. I'm just going to leave it. But that was my. Um, that's why I always have a, a slight caution using the word knackered, um, because of that. Uh, childhood trauma um it was funny i i had um i had a great uh great vibe this week i met two old 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 friends and i've mentioned uh on this podcast before because um they were a pair of twin twin brothers called andrew powell david powell who uh i grew up with when I was, I, I, I known from when I was very, very young, and, and um, my first, the first band that I played in, um, well, the first people I played music with really was was those two and their older brother, and then me and Andrew ended up playing together with another guy called Patrick Briscoe, who's a guitarist, singer, and, and a writer, and now apparently he's a sound engineer. I found a lot of this out this week. Uh, it's kind of like a little nostalgia trip. Um, and a general sort of, you know, one of those kind of music technical people. But he was a great guitarist, you know, Patrick, when he was young. And he was uh, he had a vibe. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, I met that they came to see a gig of mine on Thursday. It was really great to see them. So um, shout out to either of them if they're listening. I know that occasionally uh, Andrew listens. So um, thanks thanks for coming. I really appreciated that, uh, that visit. And it was great to see you and share some memories. And um, th when I was talking about the word knackered, then I was having a similar feeling because, you know, that it was a, it was all those memories are, are of that time. You know, we have that. We have this thing in life, don't we, where um, we get transported to a moment of uh, a feeling of a, of a time in life, and sometimes we feel, well, I feel, I speak for myself. Sometimes I feel like I'm. I can never get beyond it, you know. I never have, in a weird way. Did I ever? Did I ever grow up? You know. I was playing a gig last night, and uh, it was a nice gig. I, I was depping for it was, it was for an ex-student, a guy called Andrew Wood Woody, who lives down in Nottingham. Good lad and a uh, good drummer as well. Good jazz drummer, and uh, good teacher as well. Nice guy. Anyway, Woody, uh, he said, "Oh, uh, would you do a dep for me in this band?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great." And um, and it was a nice band and, and really good charts and stuff. Very, very good kind of um, good outfit. And another funny thing last night as well, the name Phil Steele came back into my life. Phil Steele's a, actually a drummer, but a great arranger, a piano player, but he also plays drums. And we, me and Phil shared a passion for cars. And uh, I, I didn't know Phil very long. Um, I met Phil in a slightly traumatic period of my life, um, around 2000 and sort of uh, 
2012, 2011, 2012, when things went a bit pear shaped in my life. And uh, and and I, he was a very, uh, I, I like Phil a lot. He was a funny guy, clever guy, and he was into cars. We we were both into cars. And we used to chat about cars, and and uh, he helped me out. He really helped me out with something. Um, but anyway, the arrangement, a lot of the arrangements for the gig last night were done by him. Very, very good arrangement. Very good drum parts. You know, if you're ever on these gigs where you've got to do reading gig, and I don't do enough of them, so my brain is like, you know, my brain and my nervous system. Oh, COVID's got a lot to answer for, you know. Because that's the shit that's not happening because of because of that break. You know, all the practice in the world and getting, you know, sorry, I'm just adjusting the microphone slightly and messing around with this and doing that and all that kind of stuff. You know, doesn't, you can't get that real life experience, the nervous system thing, being in the moment and reading and responding and, and being on it and having that confidence, building the confidence, it's all about building confidence. And it talk about it a lot in sport and all sorts of things about building the confidence you build you build and build and build and then you maintain and uh you know i've gone through periods of very high high kind of maintenance or, or highly i don't even know what i'm trying to say i've gone through great periods of feeling very confident on the instrument very connected to the instrument there's this thing about feeling connected to the drums and um practice pads and doing all that stuff and practicing at home and all kinds of different things they don't connect you to the drums in a, in a way in which is actually real they only um, seek to help you learn and practice some things that you can't do. Um, but the real, actual, the place where they really come into being is when you're playing in front of and with other people. But uh, anyway, um, it was a just not to go down some crazy tangent, but I was that thing about feeling young. So I was playing this gig last night with all these uh, these guys were all uh, all a lot younger than me and and the regular drummer was another guy actually I um, had the pleasure of teaching a bit at uh, Leeds uh, guy called Luke Redding Williams he's a very good drummer and um, and very creative guy very uh, yeah very clever intelligent guy you know and a very very good drummer though very uh, had that has that kind of creative spark about his playing and. Um, I met, I met him quite a few years ago, and he he came over and did um, he came over from France with his um, with his dad, and he was wanting to study jazz, and um, and I always remember his audition. He played this kind of six eight kind of improvised solo, and he he had a vibe, you know. And anyway, I found that the actual gig is his. So Woody, the guy I was depping for, I was actually depping for a dep, which was hilarious. I always find that quite amusing. When you think you're depping for the drummer and then you find out it's not actually the drummer. And um, But I was thinking last night about that feeling about, because I'd seen you know these two old friends of mine this week, so there, there is a connection, there is a tangent here. Um, I'd seen these old friends of mine, you know, and uh, and that obviously that, that brings back a time and a feeling and a place that didn't feel remotely unfamiliar it felt completely normal and we're looking at some really old photographs they had some old photographs of me when I was really young and some things I'd forgotten about actually and other things I remembered and seeing some pictures of some other people and then he had a few pictures of my brother as well and but it was that feeling of like oh you know of being in that kind of age moment that that feeling of being that age and then I was thinking last night I finished this gig and was packing my stuff away and you know, the average age of that band, take me out of that. 
the average age of that band was probably 30. Um, all those guys in that band, I think they're all roughly the same age. And then there's me, 52. You know, and I didn't feel out of place at all. Felt completely fine and played nice people in that band. But it was just funny because I felt like I was 32, you know, or like 30. I felt just like that age, funny. And uh, so it's had a weird week in that respect. Uh, and, you know, it sort of uh, it just it just kind of made me think about the kind of topic of today's thing. And the episode's called Summer Time. Which is not supposed to be about the tune. Summertime. It's not about that tune at all. And I'm not about to sing for you. Um, it's uh, it's that it's that thing of it's summer now. We've gone from spring to summer. It's now the what's the date today? It's got to be like the third or fourth of June. It's the fourth of June. My first Sunday of the month. My 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 podcast thing. Um, uh, I'll mention about last month's thing in a minute. I'll talk a little bit about that episode in a minute and why it was late. Um, but yeah, it, it, I it, the summer always feels like a time of um, when you've renewed, you know, of renewal of when things are have renewed. And um, I've spent the last few years really trying to improve in certain ways you know um but i just wanted to sort of share a bit about my personal my process in that and about about how kind of difficult that can be sometimes and about maybe it's you know something that maybe you have experienced as well i don't know um just in relation to so i'm just going to adjust this mic i don't know why i've got this mic i've got this mic really high and I've, there's no need for it to be so high um, well, actually, I do like to have the pad um, and underneath the mic stand, and often it's I'm inhibited by by the um, I'm inhibited by the mic stand. But but yeah, yeah. So um, that thing of having spent quite a few years really trying to improve certain things in my playing, particularly my right foot. And then get into this thing where trying to get back to match fit again in in a sense of gigging and 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 realizing you know from my kind of history of playing and all the different things I've done is that in some respects I'm kind of on it in other respects I'm quite a long way from where I would hope to be and and would and when actually was thinking I was closer you know but um, and last night really highlighted that because it was a kind of reading gig, and it was like a lot of music, all kind of quite stylistically quite similar, which was very helpful. Um, I'm playing with mostly people I've never met before, and which is quite common, you know. This is something that we all do, isn't it? You go and do your gigs, and you meet people, and it's great, and you have a nice vibe, or it's not a nice vibe, or whatever. But it's all life, and it's all experiences. If you do a good job, people ask you back. If they don't do a good job, people tend to not ask you back, or maybe they give you a second chance. I don't know. All depends on the circumstance, doesn't it? But there's that in that personal thing. You know, you walk away like so. You know, for me last night I felt like I'd done a good job of a gig. You know, and everyone seemed happy. 
So um, you know, I may get offered, um, you know, may get offered that work again. But coming away from that was like a relief. It's always a relief. Doesn't matter what the situation is for me. I, all situations for me, I have a. They bring humility, and I'm humble to the, all situations of playing music. Um, I always go into situations of music playing uh, feeling that way. I always feel I walk into those situations with that similar feeling um unless i'm like super super comfortable like really know the people in the music really really well then i i go in with a different um a different kind of humbleness to it It, it's uh, never take it for granted or take the piss but uh Gigs like last night, I, I definitely I was going to those with a kind of air of have a certain kind of mindset and um, you know and you know want to walk away with a kind of thumbs up for myself to go. Oh, I did a good job of that. Read quite well, you know. Took a, yeah, it was like a little bit slow getting off the ground at the beginning. A few things in the first two or three tunes, where my brain was just a bit addled, but you know I got into the groove of it and it was cool. You know, by the end of the gig was was starting to feel and sound like my feel and sound like myself you know and in the past i would normally be like that right from the get-go you know so i feel you know so the thing is one is walking away from it going did a good job but actually i feel i'm a long way from where i should be and that's it's always hard to get to that thing because you're just not doing lots of gigs like that i've got to be doing it every day really you know and um, it's not about sitting at home and reading. It's about being out playing in the moment with other musicians, having to listen to the bass player and what's the time like, and and looking at people, people's expressions on their faces, and is it a good vibe, a bad vibe? You know, all those things are all going on in the music in the moment, and it's all an experience which feeds into you know building this kind of thing of confidence, you know, or not, if things are going badly. Um, and sometimes you're you're not even aware things are going badly because you think they're going all right and they're actually not going all right, you know. Um, anyway, that's kind of rarer, but it has happened on occasion. But um, but you know, there's that thing also for me as well of I've spent a lot of time in the last three or four years, uh, particularly the last two and a bit years, probably since I've been starting doing this podcast, really. Just be, just after that, of trying to get my bass drum playing better, you know, it's my bass drum pad, um, and uh, yeah, last night feeling really tense in my foot, <laughs> so weird, just not feeling, not having that confidence. So in in that type of playing, and it's funny because I played earlier in the week. I played on Thursday where I met, uh, met the, uh, Andrew and David, the old friends of mine. He came to this gig with the Spark Trio with Nick Spark and Scott Devine. And uh, I, when I was playing my drum kit, I felt really uncomfortable behind the drum kit for some reason. Nothing felt like it was at the right height. It was a very strange thing. I can't really put it into words. Just sometimes, I don't know, I have this thing occasionally where I go to the drum kit and sit down and everything doesn't feel like it's right like just but i did take a smaller i took the 10 instead of the 12 tom i felt like having a bit more of a fusiony punchy thing and it didn't really work for me I, I wasn't enjoying it it was a bit i put the ec2 coated head on it and it 
and I'd had a G2 and at home I've been playing it here with at home with the G2 because I've been doing quite a bit of recording with it and it's absolutely it sounds amazing it's singing like beautifully so it was recording so well and it has it's actually got no dampening on it at all you know it's got a little bit of EQ but uh, there's been something about the sound of that drum but for for live I've always favored for that kind of music a G2 uh, uh, sorry an EC2 so I'll swap out the G2 for the EC2 and um and i just felt like I, I used it on thursday and i wasn't connecting with it at all i was like no i'm i'm, I'm still in this g2 kind of vibe the g2 thing is connecting with me and uh and my other toms at the moment my uh my 12 and my 13 and my 14 and my 13 floor tom i've got 13 floor tom as well which is a mega they're all g2 and they all sound mega at the moment uh, I mean, the 13 tom I've got is tr quite tricky to tune actually the 13 rack not the floor tom the floor tom is a peach but the, the 13 rack is 13 by 9 and there's something about that drum I know that the guy I bought it off Joe Love I know that he um, bought that drum from another source uh, I think he bought it from Germany actually because he was trying to get all the sizes you know uh, I, well, I, I think, you know, a lot of those drums are bought from separate sources, but the 12 and the 14 and the 20 bass drum and the 18 bass drum, I think were all bought from the same person. The 22, the 13 floor tom, the 13 rack, and this 10-inch tom of mine are all bought from separate people. And then there's this, there's this little 16-inch bass drum, which is 16 by 18, is now 16 by 10, which Richard Newby's cut down from, which he still hasn't finished, but... I'm waiting for the hoops. Basically, he's, he's staining the hoops for me. I'm going. I'm moving over to wooden hoops with the sonar drum. So, but um, yeah, that was that was sort of sounding. Um, it's always been tricky to tune that 13 rack. But you know, it's funny that the kind of G2 thing seems to be where I'm at now, more and more. You know, um, and I've definitely definitely moved to coated bottom heads. So now it's the Rezo 7s, the coated Rezo 7s. Uh, that's my... Um, I think there's even something slightly nerdier than that that I'm not remembering. There's a there's a mill. There's a, there's two types of Rezo 7, I think. I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about these things, and I probably should know more, being this is a drum podcast. But um, I always defer to um, other people who have uh, superior knowledge in these situations. Uh, if I really need to know something, um, that's my kind of default. But uh, but yeah, this weird thing anyway, that I didn't feel comfortable behind the drums on Thursday, like uh, like on around uh, behind all of the drums, everything, the cymbals, everything, the whole kit. And then when I sat behind the drums last night to do this gig, Everything felt like it was in the right place. I uh, the only thing I changed was I brought the t I brought the twelve instead of the ten, which I, which I always use the twelve and the fourteen. I'm, I've been using the twelve and the thirteen floor tom a lot with the eighteen bass drum, but because I was taking the twenty bass drum last night, um, because I thought the gig I was doing last night there was a bit more pop stuff in it, um, but actually it wasn't. It was more. Um, it, well, it was swing. It's lots of swing, but lots of actually older and lots of Gene Krupery style and maybe slight street beaty New Orleansy stuff. And 
and some even earlier stuff. So I took the 20 anyway, and it was, you know, it was actually the right choice in the end. But uh, if I'd known, I'd have taken the 18, and then I'd have taken the 13 floor tom. Um, it's so punchy, that 13 floor tom. It punches way above its, way above its weight. It's a scrappy-do of all drums, you know. If you know scrappy-do, you know what I'm talking about. Well, the, the thing about Scrappy-Doo is, you know, actually, you know, he was always up for a scrap and he was his little dog, but was he actually was he actually able to ever take anything on? That was always the thing, you know, because Scooby was always getting him out of trouble, you know. Uh, but he was always wanting to fight with it. He always wanted to fight with stuff that was ten times his size, you know. Um, but this, this 13 floor tom, it plays way beyond its size. Uh, it's got the punchiness of a of a sixteen, you know, uh, but it's got much more direct control. So the, the the six, you know, the sixteen just doesn't quite have that thing that this does. It's got uh, it's got real vibe to it, and it's very easy to play as well, which is makes it useful, you know. Because I don't know about you, but the bigger the drums, the harder they are to play. I think, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, depending on what you're playing, but I, I like to be able to access lots of different types of um, vocab and fills and things I like to be flexible I've got a few things you know down and I want to have access to them all the time and some things I don't have access to on bigger drums because uh, it's really hard to play them and project them more than anything it's, it can be easy to play when it's quiet but not when it's loud you know and the thing I was really struggling with on Thursday as well was the bass and the guitar were particularly the bass was very very loud it was um i was using the wooden beater on the bass drum and it was really punching you know the whole thing but i was kind of feeling like you know i i mean i'm a bit of a wimp if i if i have to play louder i have to play super simple you know i ain't got i ain't got all that stuff down that fast stuff down at volume you know I've never ever been able to play like that. Never, never practiced like that. I've never developed my my kind of muscles like that. You know, I've developed all these kind of small muscles in the in the fingers and in the hands more than anything. You know, so I can play quickly and quietly uh, and delicately in in those sort of dynamic situations, which is which is the the preference for me. That that would always be the if I had to choose. Um, and I wouldn't want to lose that by by building bigger muscles in 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 the in the forearms and in in the, and in the arms in general, you know, and and going for a sort of bigger sound. But sometimes I do I do kind of feel I'm not just slightly lacking, you know. Sorry about that. I was just twisting the, the mic stand. Um, yeah, sorry about the background noise as well. It's very hot. The sun is kind of beating down onto my the side of my head through this. Um, through the glass, There's, I've got some sort of shading, but it's kind of beating on me. And so I've opened the door to my drum shed, and um, there's been some some quite nice motorbikes going past. I mean, our, the road near my our house, in front of our house, is a very busy road in relation to you know it's, it's not not dual carriageway or anything. It's a single road, but it's, uh, there's a lot of traffic and lots of different types of traffic. And because we're, we're sort of out sort of into the country and get a lot of motorbikes up here and a lot of interesting cars uh often very loud and, and often driving slightly slightly too fast to be honest with you um, and so that's probably what you can hear in the background 
because since getting this i've got this slightly nicer mic now this this c4 and 4s akg thing and it's beautiful I, I love this mic it's an xls one it's not the xl2 the xl2 is better for drums actually uh and i'm still my ideal thing is to buy another one of these to have a pair and um and then get a single xl2 i think that's what they're called um the xl2 is a single overhead on drums sounds mega it's a funny old thing but um uh and 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 a, and a pair of these xls's sound nice on drums as well you know um but it's the mic thing is quite interesting because you know i i i think you know if you're going to invest in in anything at the moment um you know if you've got some spare cash and you know and it's like it's tricky to invest in anything at the moment because it? it's all a bit shit um people talk about art being the thing apparently art is the most you know but i my my advice to you uh, over all the years of people that i've known and a couple of friends of mine that own some quite nice microphones the thing you should always invest in is is buying the best microphone you can afford and then looking after it because the one guarantee is if you buy a second hand microphone there is no way on earth if it's looked after and you keep it in its kind of original condition with its original box and all that stuff just treat it you know with respect it will always be worth what you've paid for it and in in some cases be worth more and uh I was really lucky getting this this 414 because somebody was selling it and I bought another mic and I did a bit of a deal on the two things. And a couple of these other mics that I bought, I've never used them. I'm just keeping hold of them because they're sort of things that I might use, but I could also sell on and make a little bit of money. But uh, I got this, this 414 at a decent price, so it would always make a little bit more. Now, I've always got my eye on them on eBay. I'm looking all the time. And uh, I'm always thinking, oh, I'm going to get another one at a bargain price. And they all sell pretty solidly for about the same kind of money, which is a, a good 150 quid more than I paid for this. So I see that as a good investment, you know. And um, and so that, and that's the other thing I've been doing recently is buying up, buying some new stuff. Bought two new snare drums recently. Quite interesting things. And, um, and also I've got my eye on... I love things like Richard Cass, um, top guy, who's I interviewed on this podcast. Go and check out that interview if you ever get a, get a chance. Go and listen. I can't remember what episode it is. Back in the day, as they say, in the teens, I think. Can't remember. Um, anyway, it's a really good interview. It's a long interview, and he's a really interesting guy. Great drummer, uh, and very interesting rhythmist, and uh, super nice guy. Anyway, he's got a load of stuff for sale at the moment. Uh, and I love the kind of stuff he's got for sale. I love it because it's like bits of stuff, you know, like a hardware bag and and stands and little bits of stands. And I, because I use all this Yamaha hardware um, for the on my Sonar drums. My Sonar drums have, have have got all Yamaha hardware basically, apart from the bass drum. The bass drum spurs are all these Gibraltar spurs that Richard Newby got for me, which I fitted myself. But um, but he persuaded me these were these were like the best value and he's right and they're really really nice spurs and they're very simple spurs because i had the clamp on do with the clamp on ones and they were awful i hated those spurs they were the one thing i really didn't like about the drum kit and they weren't very good either and they, they they're on your rim of your of your bass drum and 
I just don't think that's a good thing, sort of flexing the rim around on a bass drum, you know, with the head attached to the rim and attached to these legs and, you know. I think it's all right if you've got some really old, kind of fashioned, terrible bass drum which has some awful spurs. And But, uh, well, actually, the, the Sono drums, I didn't have any spurs, <laughs> so they were definitely better than no spur at all. But uh, I put these Gibraltar spurs on anyway. So, But, yeah, yeah, Richard Cassidy, anyway, I don't know if you follow Richard, if you follow him on social media, if um, you're listening to this. Uh, he's got some stuff for sale, so I'd recommend having a look through that. It's got some interesting things on there. I've got first dibs now on two Yamaha snare drum stands, so sod off if anybody's after them. Um, and a few other bits and bobs. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, they're the sort of things I really like buying. But I did buy... I, I, I went into Johnny Roadhouse a couple of weeks ago to see Lee Mullen, and uh, I went behind the counter, and he had these snare drums that, he, that weren't in the shop. And I picked one of them up, it had wooden hoops, and I hit it, and it was like, it sounded beautiful. And I was like, what's this? And he said, oh, it's one of Pete Lockett's, you know. Because I don't know if you know Pete Lockett, um, fantastic drum percussionist, um, really great inspirational um, guy. He's retired, he's retired, or he's retiring, or he's retired. He's selling all of his stuff. Um Johnny Roadhouse has got... I mean, just to mention Johnny Roadhouse, they're not a sponsor of this channel, but I do uh, mention them on my podcast when I remember, which is not every time. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you... You know, they're a great music shop in Manchester if you're around Manchester area on uh, Oxford Street, Oxford Road, down near the Royal Northern College of Music. If, uh, and they have, you know, I get my sticks from Johnny Roadhouse and I buy various bits of whatever. They've got bits of interesting things in. But what they have got in at the moment is is Pete, one of Pete Lockett's uh, DW. Uh, I mean, if it's a P, P, uh, Pacific Drum uh, PDP, but it's a DW custom drum kit, shallow sizes. Um, I I would buy it in a heartbeat if I could afford it at the moment, which I can't because I've just spent money on all kinds of other things like the preamp and, and two new snare drums and some other stuff which my uh, partner doesn't know about. Anyway, um, so, yeah, move on from that. Uh, but, yeah, that is a, they've got a mega, it's mega, it's, it's punchy, but it, I mean, price-wise, but it's, I know what, uh, I'm pretty sure I know what Pete paid, well, not what he, what I know what it would be valued at as new and it and it's their price is a great price and it's a one off. But this snare drum I've got, I mean it's I think it's like twenty ply, the shell. It's got wooden hoops. Uh and it's beautiful. PDP DW fourteen inch by five and a half. Uh, I think it's five and a half. Yeah, it's five and a half. And uh, I just bought it. It was only three hundred quid, two hundred and ninety five quid it was. And that was what Pete wanted for it, you know, which was, I just, it was like a no-brainer, you know. Even if I never play it and just keep it for 10 years, look after it, and then just resell it, it'll be worth that all day long. Because it's a one-off, it was made for him. I think they I think they literally have only made one of these. So my Craviotto snare is a custom shop. It's a mega thing, it's the thing I use all the time. And um, there's three of those. Because he had, because he got three shells out of that piece of wood, so this is even rarer than that, you know. 
Uh, it's nowhere near as nice as that, by the way. It's, it's, it costs 295 quid, whereas the Krabby Otto drum is not worth 295 quid. Um, so, anyway, it feels like I've just gone off on a massive tangent. But uh, the one, the, the, I was just going to say, the one funny thing about this snare drum is the wooden hoops are massive and it's very hard to get it on a snare drum stand, which is a bit of a nightmare. Because when you when you put the cradle out on the top of a snare stand to its full expanse, you get into a kind of a negative angle, don't you? With the centre shaft, you know, the centre shaft starts to get get very close to the bottom head because that's what happens, doesn't it? As you spread out the uh, the cradle, the um, the the thread drops the cradle lower and lower and goes below that kind of um, zero degrees it starts going to a negative degrees doesn't it so it's a bit tricky i have been thinking about um chopping three little slots out of it that was an interesting sounding car uh, anyway if you could hear that probably could it's quite sensitive this microphone but i have got it on some sort of some sort of cardioid so it probably isn't not hearing too much sounds but uh if it gets too noisy, I will shut the door. Um, but yes, yeah, thinking about three, cutting three slots out of it. So that was kind of the idea with that. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, this is a bit of a rambly beginning to this. So welcome. This, um, I've got into the welcome thing now after 30 minutes. Sorry about that. Um, but it's been a funny week, funny few weeks, actually. And so the first thing I wanted to mention was about the last episode. Um, I don't look at the stats of these podcasts very much. And when I do, there's some weird, very, very strange things occur. Something goes on somewhere in the world very occasionally with my podcasts. I suddenly have hundreds of downloads it's very strange and they're in they're in a specific place really weird anyway i was looking at um, because that's renew podomatic i was going to leave podomatic because my partner has a she has a um this online membership for um for, pe for people who've got back into music and they're kind of um and it's like a bit of a community thing and stuff and she has lots of people on there all over the world about 60 or so and um, she has a she hosts it on a thing called Searchy, which is um, it's a really interesting thing because it's basically you upload your videos there and it transcribes all of the um, transcribes all the text, and then so when you first do it and you start using like so you know she's a musician as well and so when you use musician terminology and you use you know, we use slightly unusual terminology in our in some of our words. It gets it really wrong. Um, so you have to go through all the text. When you first get it, you have to, it's a bit laborious because you have to go through and edit any of the weird, so things like when you say semi-quavers and things like that, it doesn't quite get those things right. All the musical sort of terminologies, it gets a bit wrong, you know. But it learns like all these things do. And now they've introduced like an AI thing, which is, which is like a search engine thing for your um, for your own hub, you know. And so I was thinking about, we were talking about me moving my podcast over to that, to the searchy thing, to the hub. and, and, and But it involved... Um, oh, that's a, an old school bike. Um, wow, he's really going, going for it. Um, 
it, it involves like basically i don't know if you know how podcasts work i don't really understand it but i the basics is you have an rss feed and rss feeds have been around for a long time i've never used them before when i got this pod i went to podomatic i set this podcast up and then you send your rss feed to google to apple to spotify to all these other you know, po- podcast platforms where my stuff is shared you know and i and the thing I did with Podomatic very early on, because I kind of it would make because they make it really easy, is I shared it across platforms, and that really helped me um, get people listening to this. Basically, I don't get many people listening to, it, but I do, there are there are a few, you know, there are a couple of hundred a month, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a very small thing, but it's anyway. It's, it's my archive anyway, so it's it's fine, and it's nice to share it, and it's nice that there's a, there's a couple of hundred people or whatever that listen um but last month's episode was a real challenge for me it was one of, <laughs> it was what i would do was one of the least successful um episodes because all i all i get is i get a download or a play i don't know how long people listen and you know or they download it i don't know how much of it they listen to but it had the lowest <laughs> number and it was it was named new trio which is because I've got a new trio, a new band, and it seems like that's not really wasn't really much interest to to draw people in to to go. Oh, that sounds interesting. And I was thinking about why that was, but in the middle of that podcast, I had a little bit of a moan about the state of British jazz. And I have to be honest with you, I recorded that podcast and I I I left it for four about four days and i spoke to elliot henshaw who I also i've also interviewed on this uh, he's back um in the i can't remember when his was uh, about 18 months ago so that's another really good one and uh elliot i went over to see elliot he's got a new drum studio and he's, he's moved back up to cheshire back up north and with his wife and um kids and uh, their dog and stuff and he's got a new uh fantastic drum um room in his garden and store as well mega absolutely mega so he invited me over there so and i had a great evening with him it was great to see him and a bit of a play and learn some new patterns oh we always share some really nice things when where we see each other in a drum sense it's fantastic you know we always i always walk away from there and have something kind of new to think about and it's and uh the great those things some of those things have really stuck me over the years as well you know um but i talked to him about these things and, and the thing i said to him is look i'm in this kind of bit of a thing i this podcast of mine it never has anything that's what i would deem um political i wouldn't say or or, or is getting into the realms of um of a challenging kind of opinion but I kind of felt like I had to say something in the last episode, and uh, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to whether I was going to publish it. Or the other thing I was thought I was going to do was I thought I I was going to go in and edit it all out. And I went back and listened to it, and I actually couldn't do that because um, I was considering it. Because I thought I don't want to get into something. Actually, I can't be bothered. You know, my opinions on this, that, and the other. Nobody really cares about that stuff. Because it's a bit, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Really, nobody wants to listen to this and be like some depressing thing of the state of 
British jazz or whatever and Dave and his opinions and blah 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 but I decided because I couldn't edit it I decided just to publish it I thought it's fine nobody cares no one's going to listen to it anyway and then hilariously it was the low it was the, it was the lowest it's been the least listened to episode by a long way very strange uh, I mean the numbers are in the uh, I think there was like 47 or something it was really diabolical you know um so I just wanted to mention I just wanted to mention that thing about the last episode not I'm encouraging you to go and listen to it or anything um but do listen to it because it's all about my new trio and it's really it's really interesting and I'm really excited about the new trio and making an album in August and blah 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 and all that stuff and uh, I've had some interesting discussions about why one would bother making an album at the moment and I've been talking to a couple of labels and talking to a, a couple of other friends who I really respect in relation to promotion of music and about whether I even need a label, whether, it's, whether there's any point in having a label. Um, also talking to, because I, you know, I was playing with, um, with Nick and Scott, and Scott, I don't know if you know Scott Divine, but Scott has this business called Scott's Bass Lessons. It's the biggest bass, online bass resource in the world. There's no, there's no bigger bass resource than Scott's Bass Lessons. It's a phenomenal, it's absolutely phenomenal thing that he's created. And it's it's all him, you know, it's he is the front of it all. And he's like and and what he's like on the website is what he's like in real life. He's he's the same person. He's got the same vibe, same enthusiastic thing and he's um such a consistent human, you know, really um great guy to be around, really interesting guy. And um and and we were talking we did a rehearsal on the wednesday night and we were talking about this whole thing about kind of you know um cre when you create something it's a bit like this podcast i create this podcast monthly because it's an archive and my my girlfriend often says to me and a couple of people why are you bothering nobody listens to it really and i go i don't really care if anybody listens to it no disrespect to any of you that are because you know, i love you dearly thanks for listening but it, i don't I'm not promoting it. I very occasionally put a thing on Instagram saying new new episode, but I kind of gave up on that ages ago because it didn't really make any difference and it wasn't what it was about. But um, I was talking to him about this online drum um, course that I want to film. And I, I've kind of got it all storyboarded out in my head now and getting quite close to it. One of the main things... The main, the two main barriers at the moment is time and also being on the top line playing wise because I want to be kind of in in a good solid place playing wise, um, and and that's not just about being kind of playing well. It's there's a lot of other you know if you know we all know as players what that means. There's other things that have got to be in place in order to feel like you've got the time to record it you know and get into a role with it and 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 that's the thing i'm mainly struggling with at the moment is the time thing and, and it's been obviously you know anybody that knows my job it's been a very very busy time getting through may and and through june as well it's you know july's the the july and august are the kind of slightly quieter periods in relation to the sort of direct dealings with students you know the July and August periods are all, are all the kind of background planning stuff and, and working from home has, has made that whole thing more time efficient, you know, because not needing to travel in to work, to sit at a desk, to do the same job as I can actually do at home. And 
one of the great things that has come out of COVID is people trust that you can work at home as effectively as if you come into the office. You know, I'm more efficient. I actually work more efficiently when I work at home than I do when I go into the office, to be honest with you. Two reasons. One, all the people I work with in the office I really like and I end up, we just end up having a laugh um, or chatting or, you know, talking about music and all kinds of things. So particularly a couple of people, particularly that I work with and around and um and secondly it takes two and a half hours of my day at least to get to and from work um so you know it's a bit of a chore i was listening to a uh, thinking about that i felt kind of like actually that's nothing i was listening to an interview last night with a guy that worked for a while for for Volkswagen on the Bugatti Chiron project, he was he was the chief designer actually, the guy that designed that car, the guy whose design was the was the end was the 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 design that won the end kind of the end kind of result to 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 design that car. There's loads of different designers, and they went with his design basically, and he was doing a 475 mile kilometer trip every day from Berlin to Wolfsburg, you know every day because he was working on this project for, for Bugatti you know every day this, he was doing that five days a week you know sometimes six it's like I was like oh right, okay yeah I drive 50 miles and back so it's 100 miles a day yeah every day I was like it totally like blew my mind in it. and that's why he left he, 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 they made the car and he left he left that the, the company left the project and left the company and was done with it because he said that was the thing that, and then he went to work for Koenigsegg in Sweden you know he went to work with Christian von Koenigsegg whatever his name is and um, and became one of their design chief designers and he did actually move to Sweden with his family um, interestingly but you know blah 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 but it made you know that time efficient thing this means over the summer things in sort of July and August have a slightly different dynamic whereas you know in may and june even in june there's still a lot of student activity and connection going on and that that quietens as as we get into later june you know and i've got a few other things going on in june and and what have you so you know there's plenty there's plenty of things going on but um but having that headspace in order to go right i'm going to create this content I'm going to create this. Um, I've got this, you know, this this jazz drum course, which is um, kind of how I teach, and having it as a thing like this archive. Um, but it would be with a mind to selling it, and he was saying, "Well, who are you going to sell it to?" You know, because isn't you haven't got an audience. You've got to create an audience. In order to, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have. That's why people advertise on the telly, don't they? You know, because they, 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 they create a great product, and then you know you get people involved who know how to to build a momentum into into launching something that people want to buy. And the marketeers would even say they launch something, in, they, they create momentum to launch a product that people think they want to buy. You, you know, if you think about that as a kind of, uh, I don't ever want to. Um, sell my thing that people think they want to buy it i want people if they ever if i ever created it i want people to buy it because they want to buy it. <laughs> i 
because they know they want to buy it because they know because they want to follow the they want to you know they want to see it through um but it was also we had this conversation about records when we're talking about the record industry you know and and I had these few conversations this and this final conversation i was having with with scott and nick and this guy ollie who had mixed uh, nick's album or the trio's album uh, which well it's a trio album there's actually six people on the album because there's matt ratcliffe jeff gunter and richard isles are also on nick's this the album on some of the tracks you know so it's more of a kind of a quartet really in a way but matt doesn't tend to do any gigs because he lives he lives a bit of a way away so which is a shame but um but this idea we we were talking about um the full circle thing of the record industry you know, and I was, and it was kind of bringing me back to this thing again. Yeah, why am I making this record? You know, because um, I'm making a record to to have something to sell because we've got some gigs and uh, got some gigs in this uh, December, November, and December. Trying to get a couple more and trying to still trying to hustle a few more, a couple more in that week and a half, and also some in the new year. Proving kind of tricky. You know, some people are very slow getting back to you but um but yeah that that but that idea anyway of of you know why one does what one does you know and and it was like quite a thing of like oh yeah i really need to think about what i'm going to do with this record you know um so yeah anyway have a listen to that episode that was the that was the previous episode the, the last month's episode just called new trio and maybe a few more people will listen to that um but i think i think generally uh, the thing i've realized with these is that people like the interviews with these episodes and they also like the kind of what people would describe as the kind of idly chat just um you know a, a kind of a, a, a thing of a thing about nothing almost a distraction from what's going on in their own lives you know um almost like music itself you know what mu what music what music does it it um it's trans not not the word transform what's the word i'm looking for it um it I can't think of the word. Keep having this. Uh, keep having the word. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, gone out of my completely gone out of my head. You know, but it, it, music it kind of it 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 sends us to a different place, doesn't it? It um, it helps us. Um, escape from the moment you know from um, a lot of people if he's hard being a musician you know listening to music can be a chore and um, we have to we have to have we have to have a, a part of our kind of um, our head and our time and our space in our head in order to be able to listen to music you know to to not be analytical to not be you know listening to the drums or whatever but just to be kind of emotionally connected um to the music there's now a fly yeah which is quite irritating she might be able to hear you might not be able to hear oh yeah it's 
So see if it's going to make its way out again. No, no. It's doing that thing of going to the window. There you go. It's gone. Beautiful. That was very, very lucky. Um, bees are always clever, aren't they? they? They fly in. They have a little look around. And they fly out again. They make their way out again. But flies, they're so fast, aren't they? They're flying about all over the place. Super quick. Just chill out, man. Find the door. Um... But yeah, listening to music and having that thing of um, of being able to to be um, taken to a different place, you know, for what the music, for the sake of the music. Um, when you're kind of involved in making music, and I, I've and I've read a lot this year about about the industry behind music, and it's kind of you know stuff it does shift your view slightly when you're on that side of things and you I don't really want to think about why I'm making a record you know I just want to play some music with my friends and make it sound good and then be proud to share that music I don't want to be thinking strategically I don't want to be thinking have I got to do this I've got to do that I've got to promote this in that way I've got to promote that in this way and you know um Part of it, I think, is and I think I'm just generally lazy uh, by default. You know, sometimes I think that's kind of um, that's one of my kind of Achilles heels, as they say, is that um, I'm not massively driven. I never have been. You know, and, uh, and that may sound weird for someone who you know plays a musical instrument and tries to play it well. People would say, "Well, how can you say that and yet be reasonably successful?" And uh, and 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 you know what I would say is that I'm not not completely not driven. <laughs> I'm not you know horizontal, completely horizontal. I have got you know drive in certain things, and I and I and you know I like to learn new things, and I like to practice them. Uh, I enjoy that process. I, I enjoy learning about things as well. I'm always inquisitive. Um, it's just that it's just that drive thing uh, you know I, I've been around people in my life who were driven people that were driven that, were, that, that had a that had, they had a real you know this is this is what my life is going to be this is what my life this is how my life is going to pan out this is the kind of life I need to have this is the sort of success I need to have this is the kind of attention I need to have this is the kind of thing that I want to do I want to I want to be able to express myself in this way and 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 a lot of those things me too but um <clears throat> you know there's a kind of how far you want to take it sort of thing and for me it's always been about the fun really enjoying it and make sure it's always enjoyable you know and that was why the middle of the noughties was was a challenging time for me with music because i was you know 2005 feeling really low about playing music because i was just gigging all the time just just gigging, 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 you know, and I was so match fit then, so super match fit, and it was like on, I was on the top form in that respect, but I was completely and utterly depressed and disconnected from music. I just, there was just nothing happening at all. It was a kind of purposeless kind of um, period, you know, and had to reset. You know, one of the big resets in the following year was was starting teaching again and where I teach now you know that was one of the really big things that really changed everything 
um, in relation to the circular purpose of what we do, you know, the thing of learning, practicing, and then and then the practicing, taking nothing out into the world, and then getting older, and then somebody saying, "How did you do that? How did you do that? I want to be able to do that and be able to share that in an effective and efficient way, which is helpful and not a hindrance, and enjoying that process." as well actually enjoying sharing that thing you know it's um so that was that was a really that was a really great kind of moment for me that that was a turning point you know and uh the turning point you know stability as a musician as well you know there's the kind of there's a financial stability but there's also an emotional stability where you you kind of feel like you've found a a purpose in what you do and how you share what you do which feels like it's got some wider meaning than just having to have your own self meaning you know because uh, that's an interesting thing isn't it if you think about that you kind of have your own you know uh you know what has meaning for me and we can get kind of one can get quite caught up in that and get into a bit of a you know get into a bit of a cycle with it and it can all become a bit kind of like um you know counterproductive shall we say because we're forgetting about the meaning that are uh, the thing that we share whatever we do what we bring to situations what that meaning has to other people you know, because a lot of it's taken for granted, and 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 should be, but it's just sometimes you know it's nice to be reminded that um, that your purpose and your place within that situation has brings something that makes it better, you know, than it would have been without you being there, you know. And that's not saying you know you're better than somebody else. It's just it's just your own personal input in that situation. You know, so you'd have to say, "Oh, that's got great meaning to me because I did this thing today. I oh, this thing has got great meaning. This has great meaning to me actually because these people really like seem to be like really into me being around them, and they seemed happier because I was there. That's like mega, you know, which is all kind of obvious human stuff. But um, in this really weird world of social media or anti-social media that I call it." Um, that feels like it's getting lost and forgotten a bit, you know. Um, I think sometimes I worry about younger musicians because of the pressure to feel that they need to be, you know, they need to be in this social media world because you know all the things I'm describing. You could put some out there and like people really love it and it makes everything, you know. But the problem, the only sad thing about that is is that those you're not in that situation with those people so that kind of the joy of sharing that and that feeling of people really, really loving your vibe you know is it's they're loving your vibe but they they've never met you you know which is kind of weird you know i find that, I find that kind of weird but it's because i'm probably older you know i think younger people maybe have a different view on it i don't know um I've always felt like I've been reasonably sort of computer savvy and sort of reasonably sort of up to date with things, but just recently felt like you know oh things have have sort of fallen behind a bit, and it just goes back to the beginning of what I was talking about uh, right at the start of this, 
about that feeling of being of being caught in periods of your life or being reminded and going back there or feeling like oh have i ever really grown up you know you know how old how old am i am i really 50 52 do i really feel 52 you know um yeah it's kind of unusual and we and you know obviously in music you know you meet lots of new people a lot um and within music people tend to you know if, if you meet other people in who are in music as well or around music or, or around this kind of creative industry they tend to be quite young at heart as well so you always get the kind of feeling that <clears throat> everybody's nobody's thinking about how old you are but when i meet other people that are not within uh, this kind of industry or whatever from outside this and they're they're from a different kind of background i can always tell that they're like they can't quite work out why I'm a bit of a mental case, you know, because um, because I'm like behaving in a way that's probably they think is why is this 52 year old person, you know, talking like that or you know, grow up, you know, it's um, it's like the joke of like when you see like a 60 year old guy on a skateboard and you go, come on, come on, you know. Well, actually, who cares? You know what I mean? It's fine, isn't it? Um, if somebody wants to be 60 and be on a skateboard, what's wrong with that? You know, um, They might have been really good at skateboarding when they were 12 and then somebody stopped them doing it and then they kind of came back to it, you know, whatever, really. Um, I think that happens with music, doesn't it? With, drum, with, with people that play different instruments, with drums and stuff, they get back into it and they get older because they couldn't do it when they... You know, they got married and went moved into a small house and then had kids and it was full on and then they were working all the time and there was just no time and it's just like, no, it's all time, isn't it? And, um, and then they get to a point in their life where, like, they've got time, you know. Because that's the one thing that, you know, as people say, the cliche, it's what money can't buy you time. And, um, and I, you know, I see lots of people in different, from different uh, sort of walks of life and different financial things and the one thing that you know that they all uh wish they had more of regardless of how uh, wealthy or not wealthy they are is more time you know to um to be able to just do other stuff and so i kind of feel lucky even even having the time to do this once a month and sit and prattle into a microphone you know <clears throat> but it's been a strange month yeah it's been a few strange few weeks and it was almost like i didn't really have a the the only lingering thought that I had before starting this, the thing, what is this? What am I going to talk about today? Was just this idea of um, of how influential certain periods of life can be, and how influential certain periods of things that you practice can be, and and whether or not we have strategies to be able to move forward from that you know like i'll like i'll pose a question have you ever had that thing where you did a gig and somebody recorded the gig and you um, got to listen to that recording that gig and then you were like wow sounds great i don't remember the gig sounding that great one obviously at the time one you weren't aware that it's been recorded 
and doesn't it feel now i always feel now like everything's being recorded everything's being videoed you know all the time um it probably isn't but it just feels like that you know somebody's always got a camera phone out haven't they when you're gigging i was playing the other night you know with nick and scott and like every 20 seconds every minute somebody's got a camera phone out somebody's filming something i go home and four or five six people have shared a clip of that separately on social media you know which is all great but it's just like you feel all the time like so this feeling i'm talking about doesn't i don't i've not had this feeling for a long time but i always remember a, a couple of occasions where i the gig was recorded i didn't know somebody gave me a tape i listened to it and i was like oh it's great and then you get i get listen to kind of get quite obsessive listening to things i'm quite obsessive like that um and then i end up feeling like i'm stuck in that thing you know i'm stuck in that sound world that playing uh, and then when i go to play again i'm all i want to do is replicate that thing you <laughs> know it's so weird and i often think of miles davis you know that the um the interview with keith jarrett on this documentary from the 80s called sounds of surprise and keith jarrett was talking about miles uh because he played with miles in the early 70s and um he came out one night miles was ill something was wrong he was he was not he was sick and he came out and he played a ballad just started playing a ballad, you know, and uh, and after the gig, Jarrett said to him, you know, wow, Miles, it's, why, you sounded amazing. Why don't you why don't you play ballads anymore? You never play ballads anymore. He said because I love playing ballads, you know, and it's just that Miles had that thing of like always moving on to the next thing, and just having this kind of like because it was a thing of being able to connect to. Um, the culture of the moment, you know, being able to make sure that jazz, you know, the Wayne Shorter idea, Wayne Shorter's just died, as many of you who listen to this will know, he died a couple of months ago. And um, there's an interview with Wayne where he talks about the jazz bee pollinating the musical flowers, you know, as this, this bee flies between the reggae flower and the rock flower and the funk flower and the folk flower and all that. And this bee is jazz. And that's what it felt, the Miles thing felt like that. It's like, you know, oh, right, okay. You know, why his 80s band was playing Cyndi Lauper tunes, you know, because he was listening to the radio and that was number one. And it's like, right, well, we should be playing that music as well. We can play that instrumentally, you know. And those tunes are great tunes, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the... Uh What's it called, that tune? Uh, oh, come back to me. Anyway, you know, Miles was playing that kind of music. It was because he wanted, he, he didn't want to be like left behind in, in relation to what was going on in, in, in popular culture. And, uh, you know, I made pop music or whatever you want to call it, but just, just within the popular culture of the time, what, what was on the radio, what people were listening to. Um, felt like he understood the industry you know these people understood the industry and and uh and that's where i feel i kind of don't really understand the industry you know and part of me thinks oh, maybe i should be more industry focused you know maybe i should be thinking more about 
um, you know, what is my, what is the thing I'm doing and how it fits into the, the wider, into the wider world, you know, where's my niche, so to speak. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, every niche has a following. You know, there's a lot of people on this planet. Um, nearly 8 billion, apparently. 7.8 billion. And, um, yeah, so, you know, all you need is, like, you just need to find, like, 10,000 people that are into a similar thing as you. That's a, it's not even a percentage of 7.8 billion, is it? Don't know what that would be. Like, 0. 0. 0.00 whatever percent. <clears throat> so you think about things in, in terms of that. Actually, you know, there's there's probably quite a big audience for even the weirdest sub genre niche of a sub genre you know <laughs> i don't know but it's just thinking about how you're going to reach your audience and uh, that has been one of the big things in the big things that people have been talking a lot about in jazz particularly in, in the uk and europe in the last few years and not to go back into the political thing i talked about last time in the podcast i don't want to get into that but you know, I feel like they're trying to create these new audiences for jazz. What people tend, what people have done is they've feels like they've they've brought in another audience from different styles of music and pretending that it's jazz. Sorry, it's a bit controversial again, but it's not really jazz. You know, it's not the it's not the jazz bee pollinating the hip hop flower. You know, whatever. It's um, it's it's just funk you know or it's just hip-hop or it's just rap or it's just you know um it's yeah it's kind of fascinating uh, it feels like you know we're going through a time of uh people trying to work out a lot of stuff you know and you stack you stack the kind of latest um quite superficial and shallow opinions on AI that are going on and the real stuff in AI, the, the deep stuff and stuff I don't understand at all is much more kind of scary than what's even in the media, you know, all this kind of stuff about chat GPT and all that, it's really not it's not it's not the kind of deep stuff I don't think at all, I think all that stuff is it's um, it's what's going to happen with this this other type of programming and quantum quantum mechanics and programming and quantum computers and uh, it all feels a bit uh, it feels like you know um, there's a lot of that going on at the moment as well and these people talking about music being created by AI you know and things and that's just like shortcutting copying something isn't it you know I can I can sit down and analyze a pop song. Uh, I do regularly, by the way, because I quite enjoy it. Um, I'm always fascinated how two chords can sound not like two chords, you know, um, because I, I, whatever people say, people say sort of things a lot, and I don't really think they're thinking about it personally. I, I, I really, I find it amazing, and and I'm always like super impressed by how producers make two chords sound like not two chords, you know. Um, and that thing that there's that list of tunes isn't there where the the chord progression is um uh, what well, i can't remember what it is is it one 
six four five or something, you know. Um, yeah, or was it one four six five? I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, we had this discussion the other day, and, and there was I was talking about this song, and it turned out to be uh, not not the one that hundreds of songs, amazing songs have used, but a, a different, a reordered one of the same using chord one, four, five, and six. There are some of the greatest um, songs in popular music written using those four chords in a specific order, you know. But um, I was just, I was talking about this one song that I was looking at that was, that had the same chorus with the same chords in the same order so it wasn't even changing you know and then i was writing some of my own music and i was like adding like adding in extra chords and like like going wow you know that really does when you start to when you start to add in extra uh i mean you write you write the composition because of the direction of the emotion of what you're hearing you know it is what it is in 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 a, in, a, in a way so it's a kind of moot point in a way but it just is what it is yeah but when you start to kind of i mean what what i'd done is i'd written this song and then i was playing it to a, to a friend of mine and, and and then it suddenly sounded like it, it actually would have benefited from this extra thing of going from the six to the five in the middle of this kind of little bridge middle eight sort of uh section um i think it was it i was in there somewhere been in the, uh, the end of like the, the two choruses are slightly different but anyway it was funny how just adding that one extra bit of chord movement into the thing which is which is pretty much the same stuff going round and round in the two sections really like was so like impactful you know because of the fact that that color is suddenly so different but uh but i was, I was and i was listening to another pop song where it's just two chords in both sections and the way it's the melody is the thing that it's the melodies that always makes it you know interesting because you have the like you have a lower melody for the verse thing and then you have a higher you can have a kind of higher melody for the sort of second half of the verse thing same kind of rhythmic shape and then you have a different rhythmic shape for the chorus and normally the chorus will have a uh, a lot of time as a harmony attached to it as well you know that just kind of makes it kind of pop out more you know it's getting that thing getting it to pop isn't it you know not pop music but pop like uh, like a color it's all connected to the same kind of things really and making the ear prick up you know like like a like a color pops out of uh, a picture or um or a, or a thing you see on the computer or a car the color of a car you know or something um thought, i just thought i saw a rat then might have been a bird not sure i don't see many rats around here. I see lots of mice and lots of cats and lots of Lots of interesting birds. Sometimes I get a sparrowhawk sits outside my drum shed. Um, has a very beautiful head. It's uh, pretty. But yeah, I just thought I saw little animals jumping past me. Then anyway, sorry, I didn't need to know that. Um, 
anyway, so that was, yeah, just a weird rambly episode. But I just was thinking, thinking back about this idea of, of practicing for a long while and trying to get somewhere with something and feeling like you get somewhere there and a situation will remind you, uh, well, reminds me that there's still work to do, you know. And um, and I'm challenged to think: Am I am I stuck in a place? Am I stuck? Am I do I suffer from that? Is that something that I really suffer from? Getting kind of stuck in, you know, listening to these recordings that sound great, and I just wanted to sound like that all the time. Or you know, it's like the thing I always say. People say to me about about other players, and I say, you know, anyone that sounds good just sounds good, you know. Uh, I just like, I always think, oh, I wish I could sound good. Like, that person sounds good. It's It can be anybody. It's, just, it's a simple thing, isn't it? You know, I think we forget that sometimes. It's just about, you know, sounding good. It's cool. And, and lots of people sound good. And um, that's kind of it, really. Yeah, so... So anyway, that's kind of yeah. It feels like an actual end. I'm very. I'm so tired as well. I've, I was like been gigging and and getting home really late, which has not been a thing recently. Um, the last four nights have been very very late, and it's been very warm, so I've not slept great. So um, you know, um, I may listen back to this episode in, in a year's time and think, what the hell? Why did you? Why were you sharing all that nonsense? You know. But uh, but it is you know it's just about what's happened in the last few weeks. Has been busy in other way, in other respects. You know, been doing a few nice gigs and bits of bobs of stuff, and I've been really enjoying my new cymbals. And I saw Barry Race from BR Distribution came to one of my my gig last Sunday. I did a gig up in Newcastle last Sunday. Nice gig with Matt Anderson's quartet. Um, was actually the whole the whole quartet was a Dep quartet for Matt. Because he was he's touring with um, his quartet, a very very good drummer guy. I was lucky enough to spend some time teaching a bit at Leeds. Jay Davis, really great drummer, and he sounds great on. I was listening to a lot of the recordings and having to learn some of those tunes. You know, and again, it's just that thing of listening to. It. It's like, God, he sounds great. I'm like, wow, you know. Um, but we, his whole quartet was uh, not available for um, the gig on Sunday, so there was three of us <laughs> were depping. Um, but Barry came to the gig and it was great, and he and I, I took up the new ride symbol, the new 22 medium that I bought off him a, f- a couple of months ago, and um, and also the 19A got um, ride as well. But this ni- this 22 medium ride I've got is Agop signature with the green writing. You know, it's absolute peach. So good, and I was using it last night as well. And it was loud gig last night, and I was using it on the gig with Nick and Scott, which was a loud gig. And it really is so robust, you know. You can you can like lay into it, and it really doesn't change tonally that much. But it's not um, it's not clangy. It's not heavy cymbal. It's got beautiful delicacy. And he, and he was saying to me, Barry, <laughs> listen to the gig. You saying I wish I hadn't sold you the cymbal. <laughs> But it's like I said, well, you know, you you're the one that you got it out. You're the one that you know, drew my attention to it. It's like, yeah, I think there's a symbol you're gonna like. I'm coming and play this, and I played it, and I just bought it. It was 
sometimes you've got to do that, you know. Just same with that snare drum I bought, you know. If you can afford to, and, um, and uh, you know, I don't want to sound um, entitled or whatever by saying that. I mean, I, I, I tend to keep a little bit of money back, you know, for those things. And... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, looking my my situation, me and my partner don't have kids and stuff, so we have, you know, we 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 don't have um, those kind of expenses in life, which a lot of people do, and it's um, it's expensive old game bringing up children these days, you know. We're, you know, we don't have that, so you know, financially, um, you know, we have a little bit of spare cash, and I tend to, I just tend to keep hold of it, and then, and then I I generally, you know, I bought two snare drums. And some new symbols in the preamp in the last three months. That's kind of the thing. And then I won't, I won't, and I'll just sit and spend no money for ages and just save it up, you know. But I always like to be able to, um, if there's something really, really that's going to make your playing and your world of playing sound better and closer to the thing that you imagine, then I think it's always good to um, to make that investment, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean the microphone thing I could really go down a rabbit hole with, but uh, I can't afford to. You know, it's like these things like the the new the new the U eighty sevens and the U eighty nines and those kind of microphones. Those um, they're the sort of things that that you know they make a huge difference, but they are slightly of another price bracket. You know, so uh, you're looking at buying a four one C four one four AKG like an XLS. You're looking at you know five hundred pounds or something, which is a lot of money, but it's not it's not two grand or three grand, which is what a U eighty seven is. You know, and uh, and it's the U eighty seven thing sounds phenomenal, but you've got to look after. You know, they're they're fragile things i believe whereas the you know this xls is just solid it's a workhorse microphone you know um but i do like the sound of it and i bought this preamp this focus right thing um it's called an ff uh ice uh, um what's the number on it i can't see it from here where are we it's called pre-pack i i isa 428 ff yeah it's a full channel uh, analog preamp, so and it, it's great because basically I run uh, I run this microphone through it for doing vocal stuff, and then the other three channels is I run the snare drum through it. I love the sound of um, I've got this Gary Noonan Black Beauty copy which I bought a couple of months ago, and uh, it sounds great through this preamp. So I run that through the print just on a 57. And then I run my Neumann uh, KM184s, the pair through two channels for the kind of close overheads. And there's something about this, there's something about the sound of it. It's just got this kind of high, nice hi-fi. And I use this thing called this ISO 110 um, impedance setting. Um, I, I don't really understand anything about that. Um, it, I don't really un understand what it is, but somebody explained that the the ISO one ten thing was a was this thing that um, George Martin had, and it's got a kind of specific kind of sound. Um, 
and that's as much as I know. The one thing I do know is I like, I really like the sound of that with those overheads compared to low, high, medium or high impedance. That ISA 110 seems to have this sort of character about it, which is, um, is you know, pretty clean and it's pretty hi-fi, but it's got something. And and this and this mic as well that I'm running this on, I, I have it on the same setting, so. Uh, but I'm not had time to be honest with you. It's again time. I've not had much time to do much experimentation. So I managed to get it all wired up properly. I didn't quite have it wired up properly. I wasn't understanding about. It's pretty hot the gain on it, and it, and I was running it with the wrong leads into my um, into my digital interface. And once I got that right, the whole thing was very different. And and also when I bought it, it was um, it was a bit weird. It was running um very quiet on one of the channels and it literally because it hadn't been used for ages and uh suddenly it was like oh it's fine now you know so um anyway so that's kind of that so buying gear yeah buying bits of gear quite interesting the, the studio gear thing's fascinating but it's like you know it's the tip of an iceberg in relation to you know and it's also that thing of what you're doing and, and you know i i'm you know, hopefully getting some recording in a couple of weeks, and and my preference is always to go to to the place and record live, and 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 have somebody else, you know, use somebody else's gear and and and, and all that, because you know, I just think I, I know so little about recording. I've got I get a reasonably good sound here and what have you, but I don't really know a lot about it. And there's people that studied it, and you know, and like I've studied the drums, and so I do have a bit more faith in their knowledge than mine, you know. Um, It'd be like me hiring someone for drums who'd you know been playing in a kind of semi-superficial way for a year or something to do a jazz gig or something the complicated sort of gig or whatever you know I was just you know playing some kind of show that required some kind of reading and interpretation which was you know, that's how I kind of feel about my <laughs> my recording abilities you know I'd rather just go and work with someone that's actually has done it for a long time and is good at it you know definitely makes a massive difference and has the gear because you know a lot of drum recording a lot of it's about the room and the preamps and of course it's about the performance but you know you um you can make with a very with nice preamps and a nice room and a well-tuned drum kit you can make even the simplest stuff sound absolutely awesome you know and you know, and no matter how well somebody's playing, if you've not got a great room and the and, you know and the preamps are, are not great and you know and the mics are not great, then you can end up with something that that really sounds a bit mediocre, you know. Um, so it's kind of anyway, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know what it is, but you know, but I'm kind of yeah, trying to get up to a sort of level of having a reasonably decent kind of setup for doing a bit of vocal recording, demoing and stuff, and doing some drum, uh, doing a bit of remote drum recording, um, which I use 10 or 11 channels for. So so anyway, yeah, I don't know, I'm rambling on about that. Um, not even know how we got onto that. But that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the end of this, this episode. So thanks for listening. And um, yeah, just to mention, somebody asked me the other day, a friend of mine, about the Patreon thing and... Uh, I did notice that on the Podomatic website there is a Patreon link on there that that didn't seem to be there before. I was couldn't work out why it wasn't there because I've got it all set up correctly. 
And basically, there's two ways to support this podcast. You can buy this monthly thing, which is just like a contribution, really. You don't get, you don't really get anything for it. I'm afraid it's just it's just helping me out. It costs me money. I've just paid for this new hosting package for another year in May. It's costs me money to host this. One of the reasons why I was going to move over to the searchy thing and I didn't was because I didn't want to mess all the RSS feed stuff up. Stuff up, but I could have moved over to my partner's thing on searchy and, and just have it for free and then i would probably got rid of the whole patreon thing and all that anyway but um uh, the patreon things there just in case anybody wants to contribute and um and uh, or you can donate via paypal if you want there's a paypal link on there and, and no one's ever used that so i don't know whether it even works but it is set up correctly so yeah just to just to mention that and um i've already mentioned johnny roadhouse which is another um friends of mine and if you're in manchester and need you know any 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 musical instrument needs uh, they've got all sorts of stuff in there they've got a great little sort of traditional folk music department is it hobgoblin i'm not sure is that a different place i might be getting that all wrong but, so they've got a place upstairs where it sells you know all the kind of traditional instruments and they've got a great drum department lee's uh, there on a friday mullen that's the the best day to go in really but don't go into not everybody go on friday because it'll be too busy um the rest of the week, I think um, people in the shop just just uh, serve the people downstairs in the drums, and then there's like you know guitars and keyboards and all that stuff in the main shop, and nice people in there. So um, yeah, support local businesses. That's the main vibe behind it, really. It's um, you know these people are they're just local businesses, and yeah, and you know proud to be associated with uh, the Istanbul. Uh, range agop istanbul agop and uh, br distribution barry race and all that stuff which is great um and yeah i'll be back again next month and there's yeah a couple of, there's a couple of interviews in the pipeline um which have been i've mentioned this so many times it's been really tricky but there is uh there's yeah hopefully <laughs> There's one that I'm, there's one I won't really want to do, and I haven't actually been able to ask the person I want to do it yet. I'm not going to say anything about that until I've asked them. Um, and then there's three other ones which I've, which are kind of in the pipeline. And uh, I know those episodes have been popular in the past, so um, it's just about me finding the time, to be honest with you, because it's um, it's it's. A priority of a sort, but uh, a priority they can't make, <laughs> which is always the thing, isn't it? So, um, but thanks for listening anyway, and uh, I'll be back again next month. So, bye for now. <laughs>